When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Perky's Voice is brought to you by Wellmark, Blue Cross, and Blue Shield. Serving the Hawkeye State for more than 80 years. This season, choose healthcare coverage you can count on from Wellmark. Visit wellmark.com to get a game plan today. Welcome to Herky's Voice. I'm Sasha Schmidt. In our conversation today, I had the opportunity to visit with Alex Greenwald, a junior on our Hawkeye women's gymnastics team. Alex grew up in Coral Springs, Florida, and she was a senior in high school in 2017. And on a seemingly normal day on February 14th, 2017, she attended Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, just like she had every other day before. Except on that afternoon at 2.19 p.m., an unimaginable tragedy struck. The largest mass shooting at a high school in the United States would kill 17 souls and injure 17 others. Alex's childhood friend, Nick Dwart, was murdered that day. Nick was a competitive swimmer and planning to swim on a scholarship at Indianapolis University. Alex would speak at Nick's funeral walk across the high school stage in his honor to receive his graduation degree, and she would dedicate her collegiate gymnastics career at the University of Iowa to Nick. 
and memory of Nick, Alex's motto for life is just keep swimming. I am in awe of Alex's story, her resiliency, and her journey from tragedy and loss to healing and thriving. Alex's junior year of competing for the Hawkeyes will begin in a few months. We will all want to support and cheer her on. Take a listen to Alex Greenwald. Well, today we have Alex Greenwald with us, and Alex is a junior on our women's gymnastics team at the University of Iowa. And I've been really looking forward to this conversation. I'm so happy you found some time to sit down and speak with me. Alex, welcome to Herky's Voice. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here and share my story with everyone today. Well, you have an incredible story, and um, I'm excited to hear it and also for all of our Hawkeye community to get to know you. Can you maybe start by telling us just a little bit about where you grew up, um, your family? I, I've read where both of your parents were gymnasts at Kent State University. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So I grew up in Coral Springs, Florida. Um, it's like a suburb of Fort Lauderdale, just a little bit north of the Miami area. And so my parents actually met at Kent State while they were both on the gymnastics team. So it was kind of like always my destiny to be a gymnast, I guess. I mean, they're both pretty short. My dad's 5'4", my mom's 4'11". So I didn't really have much hope in like basketball or volleyball or any other sports like that. And then I also have a younger sister. And this year she's a sophomore in high school and she did gymnastics for a long time. And now she runs cross country. Oh, very good. So tell tell me how tall are you actually I am 410 and a quarter always have to make sure to get the quarter in there quarter in for sure so having parents that were gymnasts at what age did you start doing gymnastics and were they involved in your coaching so I started when doing like mommy and me classes but I wasn't on team until I was about seven and they did a really good job of like separating like parent from like gymnastics coach like they were never my coach and like they were always there like if I had like a question about like a technique or a skill they would be there to like help me but like they also knew like some days like if I just had a good like a really good practice and just wanted to like talk about that or like a bad practice and just needed some time like they were also very good about just like separating that and being my parents and being there to comfort me when I needed that as well. That's wonderful that's you know that's quite an advantage too and to have that parent coach relationship you know be healthy is really helpful for you to have a good relationship with your sport. What was it about gymnastics that you loved? Why did you decide that this was going to be your sport? Yeah, I mean, I just love like the feeling of like flying. I was always like jumping around and I felt like I like the feeling of like being able to like challenge myself and push myself. Um, like when I'm like scared and just like seeing like how far like I could like test my limits and like what more I could do. So I think like the biggest part was like overcoming challenges and like seeing the success after like all of my hard work paid off was like something that like really drew me into the sport from the very beginning. Well, and it's club gymnastics. So you're, you're, you're going through club gymnastics. Was college always your, your goal as you, as you moved through the levels in, in junior gymnastics? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think when I was like really little, like six or seven, I was like any other little girl. And I always said I wanted to go to the Olympics. Um, but as I got older, like 12, 13, I started like fo- focusing my shift towards like gymnastics and um, just like participating at the collegiate level because it's so very different than club gymnastics and club gymnastics, more of like an individual sport, but in college gymnastics, it's definitely more like team oriented. And like, I would watch all of these college gymnastics um, gymnast on like the TV and I would just be like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to be out there one day. So yeah, probably around the time I was 12 or 13, I really focused on um, getting a college scholarship. I can relate to that, Alex, because being the tennis coach, we also are completely an individual sport and the sports transforms in college because you get to be with a team and you have a family finally to compete with you. And it just takes your enjoyment level to a whole new place. And you committed incredibly early with the recruiting process. Um, So how old were you when you decided to be a Hawkeye? And how at such a young age did you know where you wanted to go to college? Yeah, so gymnastics recruiting has changed. um, But when I was being recruited, girls were committing as early as um, their eighth grade year, even like freshman in high school. So I was 14 when I committed to Iowa. And up until this point, I had visited like different schools that had shown interest in me, um, visited the University of Denver, University of Arkansas, University of Michigan. And then at first, like I vis- when I visited University of Iowa, like, I mean, I'm from Florida, like I didn't really even like know much about the Midwest. But as soon as I like stepped foot on campus, like I knew it was exactly where I wanted to be. Um, Larissa, the head coach, was like super welcoming. And like the team, as soon as I met them, they all stopped what they were doing and they came up and like introduce themselves to me and like I thought that was like incredible like I was like they care enough about me as this 14 year old recruit to come and introduce themselves like this is definitely something that I want to be a part of like everything everyone seems so cohesive and I could just tell that they really cared about you as like a person before like an athlete and like that was like something that like I was really looking for in a college program and so when I was in the airport actually like leaving to go back home to Florida. Like I told my dad, I was like, I want to commit to Iowa. And he's like, okay, like, let's like go home and like think about it for a little bit. And I was like, no, like I want to commit. And like, from that point on, my parents didn't make me wait a month or two before like I did officially commit, but that was all I talked about from the very second that I stepped foot on campus was like, I am going to be a Hawkeye one day. I love that, Alex. I'm so happy you're a Hawkeye and you do, you just know sometimes you just, you know, it feels like home and it's the right decision. And boy, now hearing that story and knowing that really what made the difference for you were the relationships and the fact that you felt valued as a person, um, how incredibly important that was at that time, but takes on a completely different meaning when um, you continue to move through your high school career and you are a um, senior at Marjorie Douglas, Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. And you wake up on a normal day, it happens to be Valentine's Day in 2017, and you went um, to school. What happened on that day? So, I mean, it started off as like a normal day. I mean, I didn't have a boyfriend. So like seeing everyone with like the teddy bears and balloons, I was like, this is so cheesy. Like this is high school. Like you're never going to like end up with your boyfriend. Like, you know, it was just kind of like any other day. So I started in my anatomy class and I actually had class that day with Nick, who later became a victim of 
the shooting. So I saw him that day and we were talking and laughing and just, it was kind of like, I mean, we were working on like making, finishing up a project. And so, I mean, I he left and I said, all right, like, I'll see you tomorrow, like whatever. And just kind of went along our day. And then I had study hall next and during study hall like there was like a fire drill and I kind of was like I mean we have fire drills often I was like this is annoying like I have a lot of work to get done but um so we went out outside to where we were supposed to go which was near the portables and I remember like saying to my friends I was like you know what like if there's a school shooting like these portables would be a really good place to hide I was like no one would like find you back here I was like you might get a disease from the bathroom and we were kind of like joking about it like it was like something that was like so foreign and I guess it's like something that like really like haunts me I was like why did I say that like I wonder if like subconsciously like somehow like I knew that something was going to happen and it's just like weird because we yeah we were just joking about it like I mean it's like not something that would ever happen to you and then I finished off my last class of the day like taking a government um, test and I mean that was just kind of whatever I don't really remember much of what was on the test it was just another test and I always left school one class early to go to um, gymnastics practice. So I went and I picked my sister and her friends up from middle school. And then we drove to the gym and I got to the gym, I think around like 225 and practice starts at like 230. And so I go to, I went to practice or I go to gym with a couple of girls who also attended Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. And as soon as I walked in, everyone was like, there was a shooting at Douglas. I was like, wait, like what? And so it was like, at that point, like we didn't really know. It was like on one of like those Twitter news sources. Like it was like, is this real? Is it not real? And it was just kind of like weird. I was like, there's no way. And so like we started practice and it was like two people have been shot. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is real. Like this is scary. And I was like, what are the odds that like I leave early and like then this happens? And so like we kind of went about our practice and it was weird because like it was all that we were like talking about and thinking about, but we didn't really know like the true extent of it. And then it was like five people had been shot and then it was like, well, one person had died. And I was like, oh, well, we're not going to have school tomorrow. Like, that's crazy. Like, I won't have to take my math test. Like, that's kind of nice. And then as like the news kept coming in and coming in, it was like, 17 people had died and like at this point like I was like oh my gosh but then also like our school was very very big there's almost 4,000 kids I was like okay like what are the odds that like you know someone who like was killed and at this point I was getting texts and calls from friends and family and Larissa was calling me in the Iowa the girls on the team were calling me and my parents my dad wasn't sure if I was at the school or at the gym like he didn't know where I was and then I was texting everyone I knew and I was getting answers from some people and not answers from other people. And it was just like a big like whirlwind, like everything was like happening at once. Like our school went from not being ever known to like being like all people were talking about that day. So like I left practice and I don't really think like I was still like aware of like the extent of like what had happened. And like I went home and my dad like hugged me as soon as I got home. And I mean, it wasn't like ever something like I normally just came home from practice and like we'd eat dinner and talk, but it was just like a really weird feel. He's like, I'm so glad you're, you're okay. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's, he's like, no, like a lot of people are dead. And I still don't think I really comprehended the fact that like 17 families were torn apart that day. 
So like, I went home and like we turned on the news and it was like weird because I didn't realize like that the news was like like we were watching like CNN and it was like for me like it seemed like they were just reporting on it because it happened like in our community. It didn't really like hit me that like this was being shown all over like the country and in different parts of the world and um, the first time like I was like wow was they showed a boy who had been shot in the arm and was in critical condition in the hospital. And I had math class with him. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I know him. Like, that's scary. Like, I know this person. Um, and then they started, they just started showing like different people and different people who are missing and people who were in the hospital. And at this point, um, my friend, my mom had always been close friends with Nick's mom as well. So I had texted and she had texted and we still hadn't heard anything back. And we heard from someone that his brother, Alex, had been grazed in the head with the back of a bullet, but he was okay. So I was like, okay, like they're probably not answering because they're dealing with Alex. I mean, so their one son was shot. So in my mind, like, okay, like Nick is fine. There's 4,000 kids at the school. You don't have two sons who are shot. So, but she, we never heard anything back from Annika. Um, there wasn't much going on. It was just kind of repeating the same thing on the news. So I went to bed at like 1130 that night, but I don't think I really ever fell asleep until two, three in the morning. And then of course I woke up like super early. And then by that point they had had like the victims list like published. And I was like reading through it and like every name, like I was like, oh my gosh, like I know their sibling or that's the athletic director. That's like the security guard. And then like, I saw Nick's name on the list and I was like, oh my gosh, like there's no way. And I honestly didn't know how to feel. And like at that point, like my mom came in my room and she's like, did you, did you see the news? I was like, yeah. And then she was like, I, I can't believe it. And I was like, yeah, like I can't either. Like I, how is this possible? How is this the fact that I saw him yesterday morning laughing and smiling and joking around with his friends and now I'll never see him again. Like, how does that go from one extreme to the other in literally a matter of minutes? Um, so I think like that was like the first time I truly realized like how precious and fragile life was because it was something that changed in like an instant. And like now I kind of think of my life as like before that moment and like after that moment, because I think there's a really, really big difference between the two. So, and and what was your friendship with Nick? How long had you known Nick? And really, what what drew you two together? Yeah. So, um, like I said, our moms had always been like friends from the very beginning. They ran five k races together. Um, we were in the same neighborhood, so like, I mean, we would play around like as little kids. And we ended up being um, going to the same uh, elementary school and being in the same kindergarten class. So I had literally known him since we were five years old. And then his younger brother was a year or two older than my sister. So we were kind of like the same family, but like mirror images. Like she hurt, like they had two sons. We had two daughters. Um, Nick was always a competitive swimmer. I was a competitive gymnast. So we kind of always got um, along in the aspect that we are really dedicated to our sports and our athletics. And he was just an awesome kid, like always smiling and laughing. Like you would never see him without a smile on his face. Like if, if you did, it was super weird. So I guess like I had literally known him from kindergarten all the way until senior year. And even in high school, we had like different classes together. And I mean, he was just always joking around. And literally the week before he had 
had just committed to um, swim at the University of Indianapolis. So like it was like his dreams were finally coming true. And it was truly awesome to see like after all these years of hard work to like watch him finally get to the point where like he could be so proud of himself. After you had received the news um, about the loss of Nick, how how were the next couple days for you and your family and Nick's family I, as the reality set in of the magnitude of the loss of that day? Yeah, so later that day, um, we like walked over to Nick's house and I still like remember the moment like when his mom answered the door. It was like weird because like on the outside, like everything was going on and like on the inside of like his home, like the world like stood still. And we talked to um, Annika, his mom, and Mitch, his dad, for a while that day and just, like, listened to their story about how everything went down, about how they got a call from Alex and they couldn't reach Nick. And so just, like, listening to their story, like, was one of the hardest things, like, I've ever had to do because at that point in my life, like, I was in so much pain and I was hurting so much. And, but, like, they were hurting more and I didn't know how to, like, help them. Like, I had never experienced, like, a loss so big like that in my life. And I really truly didn't know what to do or what to say to like make them feel better. And I guess like the next few days, like after everything like happened was like a blur. I went to like practice because we didn't have school. So it was like the only thing that got me out of the house and off of social media. And it was kind of like my escape from the world because there I was just a gymnast and I could do gymnastics and get away from it all. And I remember like my coaches were like, oh, like, do you still want to compete this weekend? Because we had a competition. I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, and it had never crossed my mind not to. And I think I was still in so much shock that like I hadn't really felt the pain of it that yet. And like Nick's funeral wasn't until after the competition. And I think like the funeral like made it really, really real. Like it was open casket. So seeing him and then seeing his family and his friends and teachers and I spoke at his funeral and that was like it made it real because it was like okay like this is really truly the last time I'm gonna see him and this is how I'm gonna see him it's not gonna be with the tan line from his goggles and laughing and joking in class like this is him like laying here and it wasn't really him it was I mean it it was him but it wasn't so I guess like, yeah, the, the next week was honestly like a blur. The next three weeks, even until we went back to school, everything just kind of like morphed together until going to different people's funerals and vigils and doing different interviews and talking to people and being with my friends and comforting my family and them comforting me. So I guess, yeah, it was really, it was a weird time in my life because it was like, I remember a lot of it, but a lot of it, I, I don't remember it all just kind of is like, one big like long day and I've had the chance to speak with Larissa your coach here at Iowa and she you know was so worried about you and um like you said on the day when she saw the news um on February 14th called your mom immediately and your mom was still trying to confirm that you were at the gym and not at the school and then uh I think your mom got word to Larissa that you were okay um but really there's so much healing that goes on how much did you speak with Larissa at, in in these days and weeks um after the tragedy and as you did prepare to eventually make your way that fall to the University of Iowa yeah so Larissa kind of became my person in this time 
because it was like she was so far removed from it that she could just listen to me and kind of give me like an unbiased opinion or help me through these things. Whereas like my friends and my family, like they were as involved in it as I was. So like speaking to them, like I was also having to like endure their pain. And I, so talking to Larissa, it was nice to be able to just have someone who was able to listen to me and comfort me without also being in the exact same situation that I was in. And I think I spoke to her for the, like I texted her a lot, like the night that it happened. And then um, before next funeral, I know I called her and we were on the phone for a really, really, really long time. And she just kind of was like talking to me and more than anything, I just needed someone to be there to like listen and just like hear what I had to say. And she was definitely my person during these weeks and months where I was trying to come to terms with everything that had happened. And heading to college is a big transition for any person and um, leaving home and, you know, setting into a new environment and is, is, is always a challenge and it's always a little bit exciting, but it's hard. What, what was that transition like for you um, now, just months removed from such a loss um, and, you know, beginning your freshman year at Iowa? Yeah, like you said, it's like a super big adjustment for anyone, but I came up for an eight-week summer class, and so I actually graduated and then went on a plane to come to Iowa the exact same day that I graduated. So I never really got like a celebratory dinner. It was kind of like we stopped at a mall food court, got something, and then I went on a plane with my dad to come to orientation. So it was all very like fast paced. And at first I was like super excited to get away. I was like, I'm going to remove myself. Like soon I learned like I could run away from the problem, but I couldn't really hide from it. Just because I wasn't there didn't mean it wasn't going to bother me anymore. So like on top of adjusting to not having my parents cook me dinner and not doing my laundry, I also had to adjust to learning again because at the end of my senior year we didn't really do classwork it was kind of like therapy dogs on campus and grief counselors and it was just kind of to get us to go to school again but here like no one no one cared about that it was like you come in you do your work so I mean just like learning to kind of get sitting in a classroom again and being comfortable and not freaking out every time someone opened the door was like a really big adjustment and then like missing my parents, but then also still dealing with the grief of losing a really, really close friend and also like losing part of myself. And that journey was really hard. So I felt like it was um, a really, really big adjustment to go from being coddled and cared for to like coming here. And like, of course, like Larissa and the team and everyone did everything in their power to help me. But it was also very different being removed from a community where that's every that everything was revolving around that day and those people and everything and here no one really cared about it anymore it was something that happened they talked about it on the news for a week and then they moved on with their lives but like my name my life never really moved on from that day so um yeah it was definitely a challenge and you made a conscious effort to remember Nick and really honor him I think with your collegiate career that you felt you had the opportunity to experience and he didn't what did you do in his honor and how did how did that um you know kind of affect you your freshman year and how did that decision come about for you so his parents actually asked me to walk across the stage for him at graduation they were offered but they didn't feel that they were ready to 
So I took that offer and I also promised them that when I would come to college, I would compete in honor of Nick since he would never have the opportunity to do the same in college. Um, so since he was a swimmer, I kind of thought of this phrase, like, just keep swimming. And it was kind of like something that was like, okay, like this happened, but I, I need to move on with my life and move forward while still like honoring his memory. So I kind of felt like my freshman year, I took it like really far. And like every mistake was like, I'm letting him down and I'm doing this wrong and I'm not good enough. And I was really hard on myself that year because I just felt like I had to be perfect in honor of him. And um, as that year passed and I started my sophomore year, I realized that I could still honor Nick and I, I could still think about just keep swimming and competing in honor of him. But like knowing that he would be so proud of me, like no matter what I did and that I have the opportunity, I get to do this. I don't have to do this. And so this is an incredible opportunity and I have to take every minute and make the most of it because this is something that not many people get to do and something that was taken away from Nick like way too early. Larissa has, you know, told me about loving you through this and coaching you and she is so proud of you. And one of the things that she told me that you did together was the two of you made a trip to um, your high school and she was with you and you gave her a tour and she really felt that was one more way she could really understand your story and connect with you um, and help you um, as, as, as her, your gymnastics coach. What, what was that experience like and how did Larissa help you um, through that transition from your freshman to your sophomore year? Yeah, so she had actually come down to Florida to recruit and she was like, okay, like while I'm down there, like, why don't you just show me the school so I can have a better picture of it when you're talking to me? Because I would talk to her often during these, during these months and I would describe things and she would kind of try to like imagine what I was saying, but I mean, obviously without ever seeing it, it was difficult. So we drove there and I kind of just showed her like, this is a building where it happened. And that's why it's all blocked off. And you know, it's, it's a crime scene inside. They can't do anything about it. And then this is the rest of the school. And then these are the portables that they had to bring to um, account for like all those classrooms that were in that building that they can't use anymore. Um, so I think just like having her be, be able to like really understand like what I was like talking about, like really, really helped. And um, I guess the transition from my sophomore, from my freshman to sophomore year it was kind of like, okay, like you have to start thinking about the things that aren't going to change. Like this happened and it sucks, but what are the things that you kind of have to let go of because there's not anything you can do about them anymore? And what are the things that you can bring with you and grow from while still honoring all these victims and all these people? So I guess just kind of a little bit of like tough love, like, okay, so this you kind of, I had to like learn what to let go, like what I can't control anymore because I'm someone who, whenever I've had a problem in my life, like I've always been able to like fix it. And like, this was one of the first times in my life where I wasn't able to control what happened. So I guess just like helping me like let go of the uncontrollables and move forward with um, how I can grow and what I can learn from this experience. And Larissa had said there was, a real intentional shift for you um, personally. Do you remember when that happens with you, when you really kind of had um, a mindset that was said, I'm going to 
intentionally make the most of this in honor of Nick and um, see it in a little bit different light where you could really kind of start to free yourself up to um, not have guilt, but enjoy your experience and really soar and reach your potential. Was there a moment or a conversation or something that really kind of helped you um, make that change? I think it started um, just before the beginning of like my sophomore summer. So coming off of freshman year, I was reflecting back on what I did. And I was like, you know, I'm not really proud of how I handled myself. And all these things could have been so much different. And I kind of just like thought to myself, I was like, well, that's that was no one else's fault, but my own. And it was what I was thinking and telling myself that entire year. And I was like, well, if this is going to be different, like it starts with me. So I kind of, I think I just like woke up one day and I was like, okay, like I'm not going to feel sorry for myself anymore. I'm not going to say that I can't laugh and I can't have fun because the truth is like all of these victims, like they would want me to have fun and move on with my life. So I think that was like the big switch was realizing like that I didn't have to feel bad for being alive. Like I, I just had to make the most of getting to do all this stuff. So yeah, just like really like looking back, it was probably the beginning of my sophomore summer was when the switch definitely occurred. And then as my sophomore year progressed, um, I think I got stronger and stronger and was able to learn and grow without like viewing as, as feeling sorry for myself and thinking of myself as like this victim and, you know, putting myself down all the time. And Larissa told me that there was one day at practice that she remembers and all of a sudden Alex just looked a little different. And she said, you were fighting and you were fighting to make the lineup. And she said, I saw her spark come back. And she said, Oh, here we go. Welcome Alex. Here we go. And you kind of smiled back at her and said, yep, here we go coach. And you really started digging in and um, you made the floor lineup. Um, walk me through this process um, to eventually you are in the lineup on all four events for the University of Iowa. So how, how did this go for you, Alex? Yeah, so I mean, I guess I've always been a pretty competitive person. But for a while, like I was just like so deep down in my head that I couldn't even like, find the spark of competitiveness and the drive that like I always had. And one day I was like, okay, like enough, like start pushing yourself, start becoming better. And I remember that because I was able to start doing the things that I wanted to do in practice, like how I wanted to do them. And like little by little, like as I was able to like find that spark and that light in me again, like I found it on, on floor and then I started finding it on vault and then I found it on bars and, and now I'm finding it on beam. So it was like something that like, it didn't happen like all overnight, but it definitely, the start of it was overnight and it continued to grow and grow. And then I got more confidence in myself as I began competing and hitting and doing what I knew that I came to Iowa to do originally. So I guess, yeah, towards the end of my sophomore year, um, being in these lineups was something that I was incredibly proud of myself for. And I think having struggled my freshman year, it kind of made that victory just a little bit sweeter. For sure. The word that I've heard your coaches say about you is that you are thriving and you are, even this week, I've heard you are learning new skills. 
as a junior in the gym? What, what is practice like for you now? And where do you want to go? And how are you challenging yourself now? Yeah. So, I mean, I am probably the happiest this year that I've been probably since the shooting, I've learned to grow from it and all the different things I've learned about myself along the way, but in the gym, yeah, I'm working on a new skill on ball and starting to get super consistent with my other skills. So that's really exciting to see. But this year, I kind of want to be a leader in the gym and help the underclassmen through the good and the bad of freshman and sophomore year, because I think I've experienced both ends of it. So I definitely have a perspective that I can give them. And I've always been someone who's super vocal and um, able to give my opinion. So just kind of sharing like what I think the team needs to do or where I think we need to go in order to be our best selves. Um, personally, I'd like to compete my new vault this year and also compete the all arounds along with um, being an anchor in the bar lineup. And, but as a team, I would love to see us make national championships this year. We are a super, super talented team with a ton of experience. And I really think that we are more than capable of doing that. So I, Fingers crossed for a season because I am super excited for what we'll be able to accomplish this year. I love going to your gymnastics meets. You guys have the coolest enthusiasm and it is so fun. It is family fun and the music and the energy coming off you guys is really dynamic. And um, I, I can't wait. Um, and I'm also fingers crossed we're going to have a season here. In addition to all of the good stuff you're doing with your sports. And you've got two more years as a Hawkeye. So I am so excited to see you. You're doing a ton of stuff um, in our leadership for with our, all of our athletes. We have an ISAC program. How are you finding enough time for this? Where, how are you finding your energy? And where are you getting your passion for all of the things you are doing outside of gymnastics? Yeah, so I think the reason I have the energy to participate in ISAC and the social justice movements and the voters task force is because it is stuff that I am super passionate about. Um, I've seen the best of humanity come from my tragedy. And so seeing that all these people can support me, like I want to turn around and give the support right back to the other people. And so using my voice and my experience and my opinion to influence someone else, hopefully for the better, is something that definitely fuels my passion, especially for um, like the voting task force. Like I learned that like my voice really does matter and who I vote for can have an influence on where I where this country goes. And if I have a direction that I want to see it go, it's important that I share that opinion and encourage others to share that opinion as well. What, and what are you, what are you studying, Alex? What, what about your career goals? Yeah. So I am a human physiology major and on a pre-physician's assistant track. So I'm not exactly sure um, what field of study specifically I want to go into with physician's assistants, but um, I thought about like OBGYN or um, pediatrics. So I'm super excited though for the future because um, it's something that I love learning about and um, helping other people has always been something that um, I'm super passionate about. So obviously this is a career that will definitely allow me to do that. We are so fortunate to have you at the University of Iowa, Alex. I am so proud of your growth. I'm, I'm always admire the growth that takes place in our student athletes from their freshman to senior year. And that's extraordinary to be moving forward and be positive 
Um, and to do that also with your life experiences and the tragedy that you went through and turning that into a positive is an inspirational story for all of us. And I cannot wait to see you take the floor and um, wear the Hawkeye leotard this year. Um, congratulations on all of your success and your growth. Um, we're really happy that you are um, at the University of Iowa. Thank you. I'm super grateful that I ended up here with the people I'm surrounded with because they truly have made a significant impact in my life. And thank you for having me here today. That was awesome. Oh, Alex, you're awesome. All right. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Thank you for joining us for this Herkes Voice conversation. The mission of the Herkes program is to help our Hawkeye community learn, support, and engage with Iowa women's athletics. To learn more about the Herkes initiative, visit herkes.hawkeyesports.com. A special thank you to Jane Oswald, Chris Brewer, Matt Nelson, and all of the Herkes staff. If you have questions or comments about today's conversation, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to email me at sasha-mid at uiowa.edu. Thanks for listening and go Hawks. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.